Are you thinking of having a friend build custom kitchen cabinets for you? A friend who might drop dead and leave you with no warranty? You better call Paul. Hello, Richard. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Welcome to Better Call Paul or Calls with Paul, I guess is our official title. We spoke earlier in the week and you sent me a very, very detailed set of plans for your whole house that you're building along with a long email about things that you're considering and things that you want to do. So we have a lot of information to work with. So thanks for doing all that. Um, well, I hope it's helpful. So then the question is, where do you want to start? Maybe the best place to start for you would be just to start generally and then to get more specific as we go. I look at your plans and the first thing I think of, because you really, we talked about it earlier, but you really want to reinvent the wheel. So you want to make cabinets unusual sizes, unusual designs, and things that you created. So you would have to be in custom cabinets to do this. But the first thing is, what's your budget for cabinetry? Do you have one yet? Well, that's what I'm, I am, uh, I, I'm submitting the plans to a uh, professional estimator who I met with last week. Mm -hmm. Plus I'm submitting the plans already to my general contractor and they are going to come back with some estimates for me. But the, um, let's just say that the first thing I want to find out is um, how much, what range it costs for me to do what I want. And then I will figure out how to come up with the money. I've got a, I've got a, uh, uh, generous budget in general to build the house, mm -hmm. but, um, the, the kitchen area that level two is one of the premier areas that I care about because it's going to be built for, uh, entertaining. Okay. So I would say good for you that you're not in California or, or Boston because your cabinetry that you've got laid out here would be over $100,000 in cabinetry in those areas. Where are you located again? You're outside of Atlanta? No, I'm right in Atlanta. I'm in the city oh, you're of right Atlanta, in Atlanta, right across the... So yeah, I'm, I'm right in the middle of Atlanta. I'm not as familiar with Atlanta, but I would think that in Atlanta, you're still going to be looking at, with the cabinetry the way you've done, if you keep especially all of the extra deep base cabinets, the wall cabinets, I'm not even sure. Well, you, there's nothing you can't do, but it's problematic when you make wall cabinets deeper than maybe 13 or 14 inches. If you do some of these things that you're thinking about doing, you're definitely probably over $60,000 in cabinetry. The question okay. is, is, is if that's freaking you out, <laughs> then there's ways to go down quickly in price. And it's to change the it's design. Not it's not freaking me out. <laughs> okay. So if that's not freaking you out, then we can move on. Because, you know, that's what we do with our own customers is if we're remotely close to your budget or whatever, there's things you can tweak and things you can change to make it less. There's things you'll probably find out when you're doing this that you'll want to spend more on, maybe. But if the, the initial just giving you a guesstimate, it doesn't freak you out, then we can move on. And then from looking at the things that you planned on, you want to do a shaker door style. And yeah, yes. you're sort of going for a little bit more of a contemporary look. I would say that the shaker door style isn't necessarily, the shaker door style can be anything. You can design a kitchen with shaker doors and it can be contemporary. It cannot be contemporary, but you also want to do frameless cabinets instead of framed cabinets. And the shaker door style doesn't necessarily require you to be in a frameless brand. A frameless brand, if you're getting a slab door style, is almost a necessity because there'll be just a, you know, close to a half inch gap between the doors, cabinet to cabinet that won't look as good. But that look isn't destroyed in a shaker. And when you're reinventing the wheel, as you're trying to do here with lots of different things, your life will be a lot easier in a framed cabinet brand than a frameless. So it's just something for you to consider because frameless are, are not quite as durable. You're requesting the most durable cabinets and that's important to you. Well, 
you can only reach a certain level of durability in a frameless cabinet. And certainly doing things like the wall cabinets 18 inches deep and everything else, when you don't have a solid wood frame on the front of the cabinets and the, the face frames of the cabinets aren't really being screwed to each other, cabinet to cabinet, and all of those things lend themselves to making it easier to put cabinets under stress and also install cabinets that frameless cabinetry doesn't do. It's something that you might want to consider too, only because why don't we just talk about your wall cabinets? When you make the wall cabinets 18 inches deep, then on a frameless cabinet or even on on any cabinet, then the more of the weight of the cabinet is forward. And the only thing holding the cabinet to the walls are screws on the back of the cabinets. Obviously, if you made wall cabinets very deep, at some point, they're just going to fall off the walls, right? So you know when you're making cabinets anywhere deeper than 15 inches, you can't just screw them to the wall. You will need to have some kind of system if you're going to really make your wall cabinets 18 inches deep, where the cabinets are not just screwed to the back to the wall, but also screwed to the ceiling. Cabinets would not hold up over time just hanging on a wall if they were coming out 18 inches. So that's something else to consider. And then the base cabinets that you're doing, you know, if you're doing cabinets that are deeper than deeper than 13 inches for a wall cabinet is going to cost you 25% more, but deeper than 24 inches for a base cabinet, you have all kinds of problems with that, with the rollouts and things like that. But you probably weren't planning on making the base cabinets 30 where you're just thinking you'd move, just build a wall in back of the base cabinets and then pull them forward? No, no, no. No, 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 no. I want to... <laughs> let me let me just share something with you. My, my folks built, uh, from the time I was two and a half to the time I was 16, my parents built uh, five homes, new homes that the family lived in. And I noticed things I liked and I noticed things I didn't like. And then uh, by the time I was like I'm trying to think like 18 years old I had lived in 11 states Mm -hmm. and so I'd lived in apartments when I was on my own so I noticed all kinds of things the first thing I noticed is that the countertops there's a growing proliferation of countertop uh, clutter that's coming from devices that didn't exist sure. before, you know, so you're getting countertop, all so, kinds of things. So know, let but, me just stop you. So you notice that you'd like, you think you'd like to have extra space in back of your countertops. I would tell you, don't even contemplate trying to make cabinets deeper than base cabinets, deeper than 24. You can accomplish what you want with building a wall in back of the cabinets, but the tracks and the pullouts and everything else don't really exist. You have to operate in the world the rest of us live in, Richard. And if you hire a company to do this, like there are Amish people here that might attempt this and they would build your thing custom based on your own specifications. If you work with a company like that, that's a terrible, terrible, terrible idea, in my opinion, because you don't have any engineers, you don't have any people that know what they're doing. They're building to your specifications and your specifications, you don't really know what you're doing, essentially, right? You have ideas, but you haven't tried and tested these ideas over time. Even just one cabinet, 30-inch cabinet, two pantry cabinets we had a customer insist on recently. It doubled the price of the pantry cabinets. Finding the rollouts was almost impossible. And each pantry cabinet was $3,000 in an inexpensive cabinet brand. And I don't think they're even going to work, but we did it because a customer sort of insisted on, but it's just in general, I yelled at the designer over it quite a bit. It's a bad idea. You're inventing things on your own. If the cabinet company will do it, that's fine. If the cabinet company doesn't do that thing, generally, you don't want to invent it yourself. It's hard to invent things. That's why there's patents and everything else. When you invent stuff and you're just the first person doing it, it's very problematic. But it's easy to make, if you want to pull cabinets forward, you can pull base cabinets forward and then use the same blums and, and or, you know, hefala or any kind of tracks and 
garbage can pullouts and everything else in the world is going to function fine because they're all made to be the depth that the normal base cabinet is. Same thing with the base cabinet height. People that want to build base cabinets higher than normal because they're tall or something like that, open a can of worms because appliances are built certain sizes and everything else. They're not experienced enough to think their way through. I would discourage you from even contemplating 30-inch base cabinets. So I can tell you the part of the thinking, the the 30-inch deep countertops, um, by putting, if I did, which because I do prefer deeper than 24 cabinets underneath yeah. there, because because for the same face of on the wall, if if it was possible to put deeper um, drawers in there, you get about 25% more storage in the drawer if you can do that. I've uh, I found there are some uh, to your point the, the slides. I understand the cost issue. I completely understand that. And well, it's I not even the cost. That... No one else has worked with these slides, but from having an engineering background from an Ivy League college, the more of an inventor you are, the more you realize it's hard to invent. And I would never attempt this. And so someone that doesn't have my experience should never attempt it either. It's much harder. Just the rollouts. We found rollouts that will work in a 30-inch cabinet. They're rated to 500 pounds, which is wonderful, but they won't be the same soft close tracks and no one who's using them will have ever installed them in a cabinet before. So everybody that's doing this is doing this from scratch. And it's just, a, it's a recipe for disaster. And then even, you know, okay. when you pull these rollouts out, as they get deeper, you have the same problem that that's why they have to be rated for 500 pounds because when they're cantilevering out so far, because they're so deep, they have to hold up that much more. And in a frameless cabinet, it would just be ludicrous because if you put any kind of weight on these things and you pull them out 30 inches, you don't have the advantage of a framed cabinet that the tracks are being attached to a solid wood frame. Your tracks at best are attached to plywood on the sides. So as soon as you put a whole bunch of stuff on these things and then you pull them out 30 inches, the stress that the pullout is under by cantilevering out farther, the tracks will rip out of the sides of a frameless cabinet. So engineering-wise, well, a frameless cabinet, it's impossible, really. Okay, first of all, thank you. Okay. Secondly, has anyone ever studied it? Because you brought up the fact of the um, education and engineering background. Mm -hmm. My dad was a mechanical engineering mm -hmm. graduate yeah. from Georgia Tech. I, I had, uh, where I am right now, um, seven years ago, I had a friend of mine who's a woodworking guy mm -hmm. uh, who builds furniture for restaurants. I wanted a, pr I have a 30 inch deep counter um, with cubby holes above it in my office studio currently. And I had uh, the lower cabinet, which is 30 inch deep um, countertop. I had him put uh, Accuride brands uh, brand uh, full extension to hold my, uh, a pretty good sized printer here. And I've been using it for seven years and yeah. he's, he'd never done it before, but he, he said the same thing that you did. I mean, he said, and however, uh, you, you used a word that I think is critical. And that is the, uh, you were talking about the word engineering. So if a normal cabinet manufacturer, even a custom manufacturer does what I want, but they don't have the engineering experience and expertise to see that something's going to fall off if they don't reinforce it, then, then how could I go about still exploring it and finding someone that has an engineering the answer background is you can't do what they want? Because custom cabinet makers, if you did make, ask them to do these things, once you go outside what they're normally used to making, they will let you hang yourself. They will do it and they just won't warranty it because they're not going to do an engineering study for your particular one job. That's silly to even think that somebody would do it for one person's property. You have to trust the people that have been doing it for a long period of time. And that one thing that you've got, the printer that pulls out farther or whatever, that's good. That's one success. Is that frameless cabinets that he did it into? Uh, it's... Uh, let me look. <laughs> it's it's like boxes next to each other that are. Let me open those things. No, they're framed. 
Yeah. So you're also doing it in a cabinet brand that the weight of the thing that pulls out the tracks is being transferred to the face frame of the cabinet, which is a thousand times stronger than a frameless cabinet. So the the point track is attached on the sides going into solid wood. That's so much stronger than just having screws that are going across in plywood. We're assuming you're going to be able to do plywood because we're in your bottom cabinet's going to be wooden. So you could do plywood. If your bottom cabinets were some kind of white laminate or something like that, you probably would need to do your sides of your cabinets in a frameless line and particle board so that the laminate and everything else would match. And then it would even be that much worse. Why don't we move on? I would just encourage you. Don't. Okay. You can get really close to the things that you want, but if you're really just trying to invent stuff as you go along, you'll have the satisfaction of having done it yourself, but that will be the good news. And the bad news will be stuff will fall apart easily. You'll have all kinds of problems that nobody will anticipate. So if you stay within the things that the brand is okay doing, you're going to have to get custom cabinets. But if you stay within a major brand and a regular kitchen designer that you're ordering from, people will make you paint between the lines. So when you try to paint outside the lines, then someone will come back. They'll say to you, we don't make cabinets, wall cabinets past 15 inches deep. We'll make them for you, but you'll have to support them from above or whatever. Certainly, if you go past 15 inches, you definitely have to support your wall cabinets from the ceiling as well, because they'll sag over time. Just like some people don't know any better, and they the cabinets over a refrigerator usually come out two feet, and they won't put the panels on the side of the refrigerator that support the wall cabinet over the refrigerator, and they fall off the wall all the time on people. That's a common thing. Hmm. It means that the designer that did it when the customer that and the contractor that installed it, nobody really knew what they were doing. They put a wall cabinet hanging 24 inches out with no support on the front of the cabinet. Well, I'm hearing, first of all, thank you for, I can, I can tell your experience is uh, valuable because um, I'm already thinking of it. I need to look at framed anyway, based on everything that you said so far. So thank you. Oh, it doesn't hurt and it doesn't cost you anything more. The brands that we carry that do framed and frameless, they charge exactly the same amount of money for both. So if the style that you're picking isn't compromised by the framed and you're really looking for durability, you can go framed and you haven't hurt yourself really. And then, you know, even attaching everything to the ceiling when it's a framed cabinet brand, all this stuff gets just a little bit easier. You know, when you're doing a frameless cabinet too, you're building a new house. So the good thing is, is your house is going to be very close to being perfect. In an older house where we live, you know, many, many of the jobs we do are older homes. There's all kinds of bows and all kinds of bellies and all kinds of out of square and out of plumb walls in the homes that we work in. So when people get frameless cabinets, there's no play with the cabinets because the wall of one cabinet goes right against another. So, I mean, if you think about it, imagine what happens if you have a bump in the wall. If you're putting frameless cabinets on the wall, screwing each cabinet side to each cabinet side, once you hit the bump, the cabinets start coming out past the bump. And then when the bump recedes, they have to keep on going in a straight line. So what happens is the cabinets get farther and farther and farther away from the wall. So you have a lot of these problems too, whereas in frame cabinets, there's actually a half inch gap between the sides of the cabinets in between them. So the cabinets can in some slight way, if the walls are bowed, the face of the cabinets can curve unnoticed to the naked eye, conform with the wall if the wall's a little bit bowed or a little bit bellied. You can shim things much more easily. There's a lot more play for frame cabinets. So that's just another advantage to them too. Um, well, I'm, you've, you've, moved, you've moved me to frame, so thank you. There are some things like uh, you get a little bit more storage space in framed, but you have so much storage space in your kitchen that we first sort of figured out that the average frameless kitchen only really gets you about 4% more storage space. That's really not as significant as you might think. You know, the rollouts and the other stuff are just getting a tiny bit narrower because they all have to pass through the frame of the cabinet. Okay, so let's go on to just look at your design, which is um, pretty good. 
You're leaving appropriate spaces everywhere. I mean, you get five gold stars for that. You have a, a big house, though, so that helps your cause. But so many times people are crowding things and making things really tight. You even have play. I'm not sure if you picked this up on the podcast, but 99% of the time when we see people that are going to the ceiling with cabinets, they won't ever leave any kind of a block for play. It looks like you've got a, you know, just like some kind of riser from the top of your pantry cabinets that's reaching the ceiling instead of just leaving them open over the top of the pantries. You're closing it in, but you're at least giving yourself a little bit of play. So you're not pushing the doors of your cabinets up against the ceiling where they're going to rub and hit recess lights and stuff like that. So it seems like you sort of thought a lot of that stuff through too. Yeah, I'm going to put bulkheads in there. Okay. So, but but I've, I've seen a lot of the things that you're telling me, I've seen uh, in other, you know, homes, you know, friends of mine that have built homes and places that I've lived and I understand what you're saying. One of my pet peeves is when, when uh, people are, they put cabinets in there. And like you said, there's, let's say an open, I'm making this up now. Let's say there's a foot of open space before you hit the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I don't even want, I mean, you know, dirt gets in there, stuff gets in there. So oh, sure. all kinds of, <laughs> I don't well, want, foot, I don't want to even clean the place. No, well, foot isn't that bad only because you can at least clean on top if you hire somebody. You're getting to an age when you don't want to be climbing on ladders to clean the top of your cabinets, nor should really anybody be doing it. It's just a recipe for disaster. So if we just close it in, and the worst thing that you could do is only leave yourself a little bit of space on the top of the cabinet. Then you can't even get up there to clean. If you got framed cabinets, there'll be a little bit of a recess up there. You'll be collecting dust and dust dust mites till the end of time. So you always, it's always good to close things in. Yeah, and also the bulkhead acts as a chase if you're going to do wiring or, you know. And venting. You know, different. And other things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So all good. So then why don't we take your main run, which is your sink area with your two dishwashers and your hood area first and just talk about it design-wise. Okay. I'll say... Again, I'll give you gold stars because everything's pretty well thought out. Some things they'll people will be able to do, but I would advise you maybe not to do. So in your picture, you've got like uh, base cabinets with five drawers. I think that most companies just naturally will make a four drawer base, but not a five drawer base. And I would think a four drawer base might be better for you in that you'll get three thin drawers just like you have. And then one slightly deeper drawer below, that could be a bread box, that could be a junk drawer, that could be something else. But the five drawer base, each one of these drawers suddenly gets that much more narrow, particularly in the framed cabinets. So if you do switch to framed, these drawers and everything have to pass through the frames. And so everything gets a little bit smaller. So certainly if you go framed cabinets, I wouldn't do a five drawer base, I would do a four drawer base. In frameless, you could do a five base. I want to give you um, uh, some feedback. My sure. my uh, father's father was a dentist. Mm-hmm. And when I was a boy and I would go watch him, talk about the old days, and I'd be watching him. And I noticed that when he would it'd be like a, uh, a mechanic with a tool chest, I noticed that he had all kinds of shallow drawers. And, and I noticed that when I was living in homes that my parents built, we had normal standard, whatever the builder did. And I noticed that as, you know, we had four kids in the family and mom and dad, so we had six people. And one of the things that we would have is that, you know, people would be filling up the drawers or junk drawers. You know, it doesn't even matter what you put in there. Families are going to fill up the drawers. And I hated digging around looking for stuff. You know, I just hated it. So well, you one of have, the things do, I, Yeah, if you do a four-drawer base instead of a five, you'll still have three thin drawers and only one slightly deeper drawer. It's not going to be really deep. It will be slightly deeper. And if you don't have to do that, but if you do do five, your drawers will be unusually thin if you do do framed cabinets because there's a piece, there's okay. a rail that's going to be an inch and a half wide that's going to go in between each individual drawer. So that rail will help support your drawers, though. 
it keeps everything from falling apart a little bit. But let me just uh, keep on going a little bit. So all okay. I see is totally fine. The five drawers or the four drawers. If you end up doing frameless, I think the five drawers are fine. If you do the frame, then you're going to lose some space in each drawer and you might stick to four. You could even do four equally sized drawers. So I know in our drawers, in our house is a standard depth drawer and we have uh, like tin foil and things like that in the top of one of the drawers. The drawer isn't so deep that if the tin foil isn't, the, the package isn't closed 100% of the way closed, then you can't close the drawer. The drawers are only like four inches deep on a standard drawer, four and a quarter or so. It's not that deep. But just to keep on going down, your sink base, which is four feet wide, would have in your picture two 24-inch drawers. I mean, doors on your sink base. So just to warn you about that, in a frameless cabinet, in a frame cabinet even, I've never in my life ordered a cabinet with a 24-inch door on it because it's always going to fail over time. Again, the door is 24 inches deep. When the doors are open, they're cantilevering out. That much more stress goes on the hinge. The doors all sag over time. And if you have frameless cabinets, the doors end up ripping out of the sides of the cabinet if you have 24-inch cabinets. If you do do a 48-inch sink base, you probably need to make it three doors instead of two doors. You know, the cabinet company can help you with that. Probably what you would do is essentially combine cabinets. You'd have some kind of wooden style that one door would be attached to. So you wouldn't open the whole thing and have it completely open underneath. If you did do that and you did 24-inch doors, then you're just going to have a problem over time. I mean, one of the designers that works for me, she won't even order a door 21 <laughs> for two reasons. One, because it looks terrible, but also because she knows that the 21-inch doors tend to sag a little bit more than the other doors. I order 21-inch cabinet, you know, when it makes sense, but uh, 24 is a no-no. Okay, thank um, you. And then it looks better the way you got it, but I would always, because it's symmetrical, but if it was me, I would just change your... Uh, waste and recycling center, if you switched it so that it was asymmetrical and put, you know, one dishwasher on the other side of the recycling, life would be a little bit easier when you're at your sink. Because when you're at your sink, you'll have, and if you're trying to like maybe scrape a dish off into a, a garbage can and then put it into the dishwasher, you don't have a, a recycling thing next to you. So you're going to have the dishwasher in between you and any recycling center on both sides. So I would just prefer to have at least one of these pullouts right next to me when I was at the sink and then you know have that second dishwasher, which will probably be the secondary dishwasher that I use just on the other side of the pullout. You won't be completely symmetrical, but it will, it will make life a little bit easier. But that's- what, That was a good, let me ask you something. It, sure. I like what you just said to put the, where the dishwasher's now. If I, if I just switched and put the re waste recycling center closest to the sink on both sides, mm -hmm. because what I'm hearing is when you're doing your food prep and you're scraping off waste, you, you want to be close proximity to the pullout. For the waste recycling and you use the um you use the um dishwasher less frequently yeah that... but it's also good to have the dishwasher next to you too now we're a little bit in the weeds just in that it's not going to be a crisis for you either way the 24 inch door is much more important than this dishwasher pullout issue but i think having a dishwasher on one side of you so that you can have the door to the dishwasher down and actually be loading one of the dishwashers at least while the trash can is pulled out on the other side of you when you're at your sink base. That's the most convenient thing of all. We're always trying to give people that. You might even want to put one of the other pullouts in the island if you wanted to, so that if you're working at the island, you have a trash can and a recycling or whatever in the island. Maybe that's what you do is you put, you could even put a dishwasher in your island if you want, or put one trash can on one side dishwasher on the other, and then the other dishwasher on the same side, and just another trash can across in the island. 
it's convenient to have one, one of each on each side. It, it gets away from the symmetry, but just consider it. It's up to you. That kind of stuff is um, when you're working with the kitchen designer, they'll probably bring it up to you. And you can just think about it when you're in your house now. It would how, how convenient would it be to have a dishwasher right next to me on one side, but then have a trash can also next to me on the other? I think these are very, very good input. But by the way, has anyone, do you know of anyone, mm -hmm. whether it be your company or anybody, that over time that you've taken photographs of uh, before and afters and, and annotated them to take the knowledge and the experience that you have and have it become a, um, a, a sales document, but also a teaching document when you're training your own people. I mean, you you can you've done so many, you know, so much work with people. You could walk in and photograph the way it is now, and then based on these good recommendations you're making, the photograph afterward. But then put it in a format where you can annotate it. So that when people are going online looking for your blogs, by the way, I did listen to blog 28 that you were suggesting. Oh, okay. So thank you for that. So, yeah, um, sure. But, so it's, but you've got, okay. well, I was saying you've got so much information. I've read over a hundred of your blogs oh my and goodness. they're fantastic. That's why I'm calling it. But uh, what I'm saying is, has also, is anyone, you know, you got the National Kitchen and Bath Association, you got all of the national association of home builders has anyone taken the a very valuable experience of people like yourselves and and like when we're talking about drawers i have no you just said something if the drawer is not deep enough then you know the maybe the aluminum foil won't pull out of the bag or you can't get a ziploc bag out of the box yeah has anyone the, ever, actually ever looked at all that and and made and saying the average depth of a this is this thing, and that's why these drawers are this way. And has anyone so the, done that? So the answer is a little bit. In fact, it's almost the opposite, I think, that it's not that the people that build cabinets have done it that much. If you're looking for a blog, there's a blog we have of a home shop teacher that builds his own cabinets. If you really wanted to get into the weeds, this shop teacher has combined a framed and a frameless cabinet to really make the perfect cabinet. And his shop class makes this cabinet. And we have a video of him on our blog showing how he invented this cabinet and how it works and everything else. But again, no cabinet company makes that. He makes that his students and he make that particular cabinet and he's figured it all out and everything else. To answer your question is nobody in the industry really gets as in-depth as he might have done personally, but he's an exception to the rule. And I'm a huge fan of his, that he's really combined these things over a lifetime of making cabinets and everything else. But no, the, the industry doesn't really do this. However, the food companies do, right? So that's why 18 inch wall cabinets don't help you as much as you think because food products and everything else are all made to work in a 12 inch deep cabinet. So spaghetti boxes and cereal boxes and everything else. If you have an 18 inch deep wall cabinet and you're going to put all this stuff on the wall cabinet or plates and everything else, the extra six inches that you're getting isn't helping you that much because all of your plates and cups and all those things are sort of just designed to fit perfectly in the standard size cabinets. So if you put spaghetti in the wall cabinet, then you know, what do you do? You, you hide spaghetti in back of other boxes. You know, once you put a box the regular depth, it's going to come out 11 inches or whatever. And then, you know, that sort of makes the most sense. Or once you put pasta sauce in a wall cabinet, you can fit, I'm not sure, I think it's three, but, you know, they're making the sizes of the containers components that work with the 12 inch deep wall cabinet and 24 inch base cabinets. So pots and pans and so the other industries that work around our industry, they do way more research and they make things to work in the sizes that the cabinet companies do them. And the cabinet companies, they almost never change and you can't teach them anything. So just as an example, there hasn't been Formica countertops popular in this country by and large for 20 years. And the standard height of a base cabinet and the standard height of a wall cabinet 
and and everything that's associated with it is all derived from the thickness of a countertop being an inch and a half and that because that was the thickness of a countertop 20 years ago and before when they were all laminates and for mica but all the new tops are either one and a quarter inch thick or three centimeters or possibly thinner, but three centimeters is the most common thickness and the industry hasn't adjusted after 20 years. So, <laughs> First of all, I complete from a, from a business standpoint, I understand everything you're saying. Absolutely understand it. However, um, when you, you pointed out that I want to do things differently because, you know, this is my, forever home and and you're right i do the good news is i do have a friend that is a professional woodworker guy that builds furniture for restaurants and bars Mm -hmm. and he's the one that built this thing for my printer so i could and he has built you know kitchen cabinets and done all that and so how could i get how can i uh reference that uh video you have or the home i would try to come I would try to compromise a little bit because when you have a big cabinet company, I've said this and people have gotten mad at me, you know, we're a cabinet dealer. So I'm sort of prejudiced that we carry all these cabinet brands, but there are no cabinet dealers that hire individual carpenters to make cabinets for them. And really there's a lot of different reasons, but part of it is that even if you're making custom cabinets, you have a system, you're mass producing, you're making cabinets in a larger volume, you have vacuums, you have ovens to bake things, you have all kinds of technology at your disposal that a smaller company wouldn't have. And the other thing is, is since you're a bigger entity, it doesn't matter if one of your employees were to drop dead, right? But if you're hiring an individual carpenter to build cabinets for you, you know, what if he drops dead in the middle of your project? What if you don't have a warranty, really? I mean, the guy could say, I'll come back anytime, but he could retire tomorrow. And then you have no warranty on your cabinets if something fails. He's much more likely to do something or to use finishes or varnishes or whatever that haven't been tested. And he's experimenting. And we've had cabinet companies experiment and change the formula for the paints that they might use. And then all of a sudden the paints fail and we've had to replace every door and drawer front on an entire kitchen. But the manufacturer did it free of charge all because it's a bigger company and they have insurance too. And all of us are working together and you have a better system. Some of this, if you have a couple of individual things that you want to do or individual cabinets, I would say use your friend, but don't buy all your cabinets or have your friend or any other individual person don't have them make your kitchen for you. That wouldn't be a good thing. Okay. On special issues, it might be a good experiment because if it fails, it's only one cabinet or one area or one printer pull out. You could have the cabinet company make the thing. And, you know, same thing with the cabinet company. You could experiment, have them make cabinets 30 inches deep, but I don't think I'd do it for my whole kitchen. It's going to start to get astronomically expensive and you won't really pay, be paying for much that will get you as much as you think. All because of the same thing that I was saying is when the rest of the world operates with these certain depths or whatever, when you make things an unusual depth or unusual size, at least for the interiors of the cabinets, you're not going to be capturing that much. I fully agree with you about the countertops. If the countertops get a little bit deeper, that helps with all these things that are on the back of the countertops. And Making the wall cabinets a little bit deeper, maybe 15 inches deeper, is a good compromise. So you could make your base cabinets 30 inches deep, make your wall cabinets 15. You'll have a little bit farther to reach or any kind of compromise of this. You know, you can pull your base cabinets forward as much as you want. And it doesn't. You're, you're bringing, first great. of all, thank, I, I want to thank you again for your sharing your expertise. Let me let me ask you a couple of things. Sure. If I have 30 inch deep countertops, which I want, mm-hmm. and I am currently undecided about that, I understand that I can move a 24 inch deep lower cabinet forward. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Uh, but what about the uppers? And you've brought up some very good points. Number one, the framed versus the frameless, especially on the uppers trying to go from 12 inch standard to 18 inches. What about you have 30 inch deep countertop. If you have 12 inch uppers, you've got to reach back 
totally to get to the yeah that's a problem you got to reach back 18 inches right right so uh, that's why now, i was saying maybe you make if you're going to do 30 inch then you definitely i wouldn't do 18 inch wall cabinets i would do 15s and then 15s you probably if you're doing frame cabinets then frame cabinet companies will make 15s and they won't blink um once you get past 15s they'll start to freak out but if you did 15s and you did 24 inches bases and you pulled them six inches forward you'd only be reaching three extra inches than other people so i don't think that would be that that's a good compromise or when you're using 24 inch base cabinets you don't have to make it 30 you could make it 28 you could make it 28 and a half and now you're only reaching one and a half inches farther than other people. Okay, let me give you another thing that I want to get your thought on. Let, let's say I still want the 30 inch deep countertops. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to go to a uh, 15 inch deep overhead cabinet. Uh -huh. Do you know, do you have any, and I'm going to do framed because of all the reasons you said, because that gives the strength that I need. Mm -hmm. Now, do you know anybody that has uppers? I've seen all kinds of new, I've been to the International Home Show, Builder Show mm -hmm. in Las Vegas this last January, and I saw all kinds of new hardware that, you know, you're, you're pulling it down, mm -hmm. you know, to, it, there are different ways of getting access. But sure. is in, have you seen anyone that, let's say I do a 30-inch deep countertop, and then I do an upper that's 15 inches deep. Do you, have you ever seen anyone use full extension slides on a upper? on an upper so that, you know, we, you reach back there and you grab it and you no, pull it, it out. It won't help you really very much. When something pulls out of, of an upper, first off, if something falls off the pullout that you have, it's going to break. Uh, it's falling from a height. So like if you order rollouts in the pantry, we won't give anybody rollouts above the wall cabinet height. It's just asking for something to pull out that could be in your face that could have something fall off of it, that could be dangerous. And even when you have pullouts, most pullouts only work when you get to 18 inches anyway. They're made for base cabinets, but once you get to anything below 18, they won't be soft closed and you lose space with a pullout. So once you have a pullout, you lose like three inches in the back. So what's the point of making the cabinet deeper to add pullouts when the internal space is still actually less than it would have been because the pullout, it has to pass through the frame of the cabinet and the pullout doesn't reach the back of the cabinet because that's how the tracks and that's how everything works. You know, when you're reinventing the wheel, it's stuff that you haven't considered, but no one's making the things and the things that you're really doing a lot of the times just don't really make that much sense because there's stuff that you haven't thought through that if this thing is pulling out and it's up in the air, once it's more than the bottom shelf, once it's a little bit over your head, now you can't even see when you pull this thing out, right? It's above your eye level. You pull this thing out. You don't even know what you're reaching up to grab anymore. Whereas if it's in back and nothing's pulling out, you can see what's there. A lot of these things, if you built them, I'm just throwing out there the problems I can think off the top of my head, but there'll be tons of problems that I haven't even won't be able to think of that will occur when you reinvent, when you do too much reinventing of the wheel. Well, first of all, again, I, this very helpful, your, your observations and comments and your, your experience is very helpful. I've thought through a bunch of this, not nearly what, you know, mm -hmm. but I've already thought like if, if it was a bottom, let's say you got a 36 inch high, kitchen counter and then I've got 18 inches be before yeah. you hit the bottom of the overhead and then and and uh, then I've got let's say a 15 inch deep overhead mm -hmm. and I'm thinking okay well it's a matter of reaching back there and I was thinking if if I did want to experiment with a pullout and I understand what you said usually they're they're not soft close I mean they do 18 inch uh, usually mm -hmm. on those things but right. if you did then I've seen designs in a pantry that I haven't seen, for example, in an overhead cabinet. And the pantry puts little, it's more of a tray than a, a it's not a flat shelf. It's a tray with little, you know, two inch, si two inch high sides or three inch high sides, that kind of thing. 
Well, that's when you, so put, you if, do a pantry pullout where the pullout goes floor to ceiling in the pantry so that the whole the whole thing pulls out. And you're looking at the thing yeah. that's pulling out from the, and that, that you only really do that with like at most usually 15 inch wide pantries. Um, maybe they do it in 18, I'm not sure. But then you're pulling this out so that you can examine the pullout from the sides. I mean, they make spice pulls at pullouts for wall cabinets that are only 12 inches deep. And then you pull them out. My brother has one. He thinks it's good. I think it's silly. If he wants to look at his spices, he's got to get his head cocked around the side of the cabinet. Whereas if he put his spices in a different location or used another mechanism, you wouldn't be trying to figure out what you got from the sides. But yeah, I mean, they do it in a pantry pullout, but it won't be a wide cabinet that pulls out. When that whole thing comes out, that you're going to look at it from the side. The only way you can see this thing that you're pulling out is from the side, which is the case. Then if you had three cans going across, you'd only see the one on the left side and the one on the right side. You wouldn't see the can in the middle. You wouldn't know what it was, right? You're spending all of this money. There's so many things you can spend it on to spend it on these kind of things. Compromise a little bit and try to paint a little bit more between the lines. But why don't we move on just so we can finish it? Because I have another person okay. soon. But okay. looking at your the most important run that you have, the cooktop area that you have, the uh, two columns that you have on either side of the cooktop, um, I mean, on either side of your, your, yeah, on either side of your cooktop, the more contemporary you want your kitchen to be, the less in style that is. And so if it was me, I would, wouldn't have those columns coming all the way down to the, the countertop. Because first off, it doesn't go with the style that you're sort of going for. But more importantly, uh -huh. now the countertop isn't very useful on either side of your cooktop. How big is your cooktop going to be? 36. Uh, 30, 36. And there's going to be like 14 inches of counter on each side of it before you hit those towers. Yeah, you won't be able to really cut and chop in 14 inches of space very well. So you'll have to leave your cooktop to go over to the other side of the columns to really be able to work on the side of your cooktop. That look, we call it hearths or grottos that people did around cooktops. It's really falling out of fashion now. It was popular when kitchens were more ornate, but it never was functional. It always was problematic. But in your style that you're going for, it's less appropriate. So I would give that up. And then the other thing I would just say is, when you're reconfiguring and rejiggering, sort of, it will look nicer if you can get symmetry. Like right now you have symmetry, it looks like, I, I think, but you want the doors on the wall cabinets on either side of your, you actually did it a little bit backwards, but you want the doors on the wall cabinets on either side of your window to be the same size. And ideally you want the doors on either side of your cooktop wall cabinets to be the same size so that it's much more symmetrical looking. So you'd have to rearrange some things to do that. And then in a perfect world, ideally, you don't really want your cooktop and your sink on that same wall. And the reason is just that you have this cleaning area and you have this cooking area and all the work that's going to be done in your kitchen is going to be in between these two areas. So you have all of this countertop all over the place in your kitchen, and you'll be working in this one stretch of countertop. So I always use the example of if I shade people's countertops according to how often they're getting used, where leaving them white is not used at all and shading them dark or red is using them all the time, a well-designed kitchen has all pink countertops. You're going to have a bright red spot in between your sink and in between your countertop. And that's where 90% of your cooking preparation is going to go on. That also brings to account is why would you ruin that by having a column there? But also, if we moved your refrigerators to a different location, they're in a location that's not a good idea sort of right now either. They're really too close to this working area and they should be put forced out a little bit onto the perimeter. And it would be a better place to have your cooktop going down that wall there somewhere so that you had let me ask you this continuous countertops 
Okay, where the cooktop is, the cooktop, those those columns on either side were only going to be coming. Remember, it's a 30-inch deep counter. Mm-hmm. And then those columns are only going to come out 18 inches from the wall. So there's a 12-inch in front of the columns. And each column, I'm calling them spice towers. And the mm-hmm. intent, I understand what you're saying about the look of it, but that that also creates, if you line it with porcelain or you line it with a, you know, tile or something, then that becomes a chimney effect and you don't get splattered. The splatters would be on the inside of those columns and the columns would be, um, you know, remember this. You're overthinking. When I say design. Yeah, you're overthinking. You're overthinking these, the advantages of these columns. Try working on a 12 inch countertop. It's not good, right? I don't know that I love the idea of the spices in the columns, but if you do like the idea of the spices in the columns, they can pull out and then you could do this and not reach the countertop. These the spice columns can only reach the bottom of the wall cabinets. So you can have the thing that you like with the pullouts and you can have them be the depth that you want to make the hood area, that hood area, that whole depth. You can have everything that you want and it works better if they just don't reach the countertop. And then the splattering thing that you're creating or whatever on the sides, if there's spice pullouts, then where's the sides, right? The sides are, I guess, the thing when it pulls out, then it's pulling out past and you'll have this. Things are, you, I don't know that there's ever this a splashing advantage to having something on the sides <laughs> like that. People think all these things and come up with reasons for the things that they do. I think you, you've overthought this one. So I don't know no, that I'm, I'm splashing I'm, sideways. If it splashes on there, that's an area you have to clean. You're going to have to clean the countertop anyway. You're creating crevices and all kinds of other stuff. And the handles of your pots and the pans, when they turn out, right, because you got five foot four inches. So what does that leave you? 14 inches. So the countertop that's on either side of the stove, when the handles of your pots and pans turn out away from the flames, they're utilizing all the sides the whole 14 inches just about that you've got there, you're just going to be doing everything on the other side of these columns and they'll just be in your way. Well, to your point, the the columns I would have only the, the vent hood would only would start at 30 inches above the cooktop. And so I would terminate the top of the spice, um, uh, the spice tower. I would terminate that there. This drawing in, you know, I didn't do this drawing. I mean, I, I was I was giving my information and preferences to a guy that was drawing this for me. So I've, I haven't edited it yet to the kind of point that you're saying. But in general, the concept is a 30-inch deep counter and having um, uh, basically walls of the cabinet. The spice towers would be um, would have walls on them, and then you pull out something like. Uh, Shelf has, and you have access to the spices from either side, either if you're on the sink side or on the there's cooking no need, side. There's no need for them to go down to the countertop, though. And not only that, you need the hood that you've got. You need that hood coming forward. You know, normally you want a hood to come at least out 18 inches. If you make your countertop 30 inches deep, then you need that count. Then all those wall cabinets and those columns and everything else have to come out 24, right? Because you need to have your hood over your burners so that the hood can capture the grease. Now we're talking about grease and smoke and everything else. The side thing, not so much, but you need it to be over the top of your burners. You need this thing so it's yeah. capturing smoke and grease. So that whole area- Yeah, the guy that I met with uh, from Zena Hood at the show, he said that if you have a 36-inch uh, cooktop, for example, he recommends that you ex- exceed the side you hang over three inches on the on the yeah i'm not talking the about front. the width i'm talking about the the depth that the depth of your when you make your countertops 30 inches deep you're going to pull your cook yeah. forward because your cooktop's going to have to go all the way to the front edge of the countertop and then when you pull your cooktop to the front edge of the countertop now you're going to need your hood to be six inches deeper than other people's hoods other people's hoods generally are 24 inches deep. Uh, we make them as, as shallow as 18. If you really have 30-inch countertops, you're just going to you need to have a standard depth hood and have it be 24. Um, so the hood will come out hmm. 24. 
and then and your columns for your spices and everything, they can come out, they have them come out 24 too, so that they're that whole area is all encapsulated, but they don't need to come down to the countertop. They could stop at the bottom. They can stop either at the bottom of the wall cabinets next to them, or if you wanted to get interesting, they could be like a six-inch step up or a three-inch step up to give you a little bit of interest to make it a little bit more interesting. Well, thank again, thank you for your your experience because yeah. these these are things that m- most of us out here in the wild have n- have no experience like you have. So yeah. this is very helpful to hear what you've got to say. So the other thing too is your refrigerators are a little bit too inside of your triangle. Maybe a better place for the refrigerators would be over where the cooktop is so that the deep things would be in a corner. We're trying to always get deep, tall things into a corner. So if you had like a pantry cabinet in that corner and then had your refrigerators after the pantry cabinet on the right side of your sink, that would be a better place for your pantry cabinet, for your refrigerator and a pantry cabinet. And then to put your cooktop over on the wall where the refrigerators are, that will give you lots of countertop on either side of the cooktop. And you'll now have countertop on both sides of the stove and you won't be sharing a very small countertop between the two. And then that chase that you have, that you sort of have to have because you're putting your refrigerators where you're putting them, there's no need, there's no reason, yes. right? No, no, I, under, I understand what you're saying. So when if your refrigerators get out of that corner where you have them, you'll be able to capture the countertop that's in the corner there. And then you'll also be able to have a Lazy Susan or any kind of corner pullout that you, just, that you if you like gadgets and stuff, there's lots of different gadgets you can have. Certainly the one that works best, I think, is the one that's the most boring, which is a Lazy Susan, but there's magic corners and... Uh, Le Mans and all kinds of corner units that you'll be able to take advantage of if your refrigerator moves down. But anyway, why don't we stop for today? And I think I've given okay. you the only other thing, I guess, a desk area nowadays. I mean, a lot of kitchens that we do nowadays, we don't have desk areas in them anymore because if you really have a laptop or, or you're working, what you'll do is you you can keep stuff in your desk area but then you'll take it all out and then you'll go down on a much better place to work at, which would be your island. Your island will be a lot better place to work at and to do paperwork and to do everything else at. Especially your desk area has these bookcases. If you put a laptop on top of your counter, you have no very little counter to work at. Like right now, I'm working at the counter in my kitchen. I'm spread out on a big peninsula and I'm taking up a huge amount of space with my laptop on my microphone and everything else. You don't really have that luxury because you're bringing stuff out, very deep stuff on either side of your desk area. And my question would be, even if it's a good view, I don't know that I would still sit there. I'd rather sit at at your island, which is so nice if I was doing paperwork. So I might pull stuff out of that area. Yeah, that's also a pass-through. That's a pass-through area to the uh, outside. So one of the, to your point, if you're sitting there, First of all, you're right. It's a fantastic view of the park. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then to the bookcases on either side hold cookbooks. And um, so if it, it's not meant to be you're you're describing your situation almost like, a, you know, a mobile home office type thing. Mm-hmm. This this is not meant to be a long t- when you're sitting there, it's maybe to make grocery lists or something like that. It's not meant to spend days with clients like me that don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we can, looks like the desk area is in an opposite place from where it is on the two-dimensional thing you sent me. I'm trying to figure out, Look, I'm looking at the desk area. It looks like I see the chair coming out there. It's to the left of the refrigerator, right? It does, um, there's a window there. It, the, it's, the I guess your floor plan area. doesn't. Your floor plan doesn't jive with your elevations. Well, the floor plan doesn't show the desk drawn in. It's an empty space there. Well, the floor plan look, has your desk to, drawn in. It's on the wrong side of the floor plan, right? Your desk is on the right side. You're trying. You're going to move your desk to the left side. So he put a desk, whoever it was that did these designs, or maybe when you did it or whoever did it, they put a desk and your bookcases on the right side of your floor plan. 
So when you really want them Let me, on the left side of your floor plan. Well, they should be on the west. The floor, see, I'm not sure what the orientation. Yeah, the, they should be on the, the west. They're showing them on the right. They're showing them on the east. So they're showing them on the east side instead of the west. I see where you, the window well, is. He's, That's what but, I was. But look down where it says B4. It says west elevation. So he's doing a cut through. He's, he's doing a slice. And you are looking at west that way. So when you see the the yellow, it says B four. Oh, and then okay. It says, he's got that, but he doesn't have it drawn in on the floor plan. On the floor plan, he's got that correct. area as empty, your desk area. Correct. And he's got a desk area correct. that is drawn in on the east side. So once you get correct. rid of that desk area on the east side, you put your ovens. What are the two your your two pantry things that you have? The two other tall things that you've got there. One of them could become one of your tall pantry cabinets could become your oven. And just to finally, one other thing I just wanted to mention, the lower cabinets that you got on your two pantry areas where you have all that cabinetry, you got a really a lot of yeah. narrow cabinets and a lot of narrow drawers. Ideally, the perfect size for cabinets depends on what you're using them for, but a lot of narrow things is not desirable. A one foot wide cabinet that's all drawers is almost senseless because the inside of the drawers on a framed cabinet will only be seven inches wide. So seven inches is just not a useful interior of a drawer size. That whole area, you want to combine cabinets there. Ideally, 18 inches is a decent size for a narrow cabinet. And then for a wider cabinet, 30 inches is a good width. We never try to have a whole bunch of 12-inch deep cabinets. One 12-inch deep cabinet is a problem. More than one is a mistake. Yeah, well, first of all, good observation. But some when, when I was talking about this in general, when I said I designed it, I was designing it uh, sort of location-wise. I did not make the decisions. These were decisions that were arbitrarily made by an architect that's just filling in space. Yeah, so, he was filling in space uh, I, I did in not, a silly way, right? Yeah, and and it's not uh, to your point. I'm I'm absolutely paying attention to what you're saying because the I know that they're This is where I feel I wish someone, some geeky guy or person, did this, where they went around and they said, "Here's walk into our warehouse or, or our laboratory, and we're gonna we're Better Homes and Gardens Laboratory or consumer. I don't care who it is. Walk in there, and we're gonna show you." all the different ways that people build cabinets. We're gonna show you frame, we're gonna show you frameless, we're gonna show you 36 inch high counters, we're gonna show you 36 or 30 inch deep counters. We're gonna put shallow drawers, we're gonna show with full extension, without full extension, and then we're gonna show you why we are recommending what we're recommending. And boy, would that be, you know, if anybody just did that for like a, a laboratory where, you had regional laboratories like that where humans like me that don't know what they're well, doing walk no one, in there. Rich, Richard, no one's going to do the things that you want to do. So you're going to go to the laboratory and you're going to find out that every laboratory is going to universalize everything. And the stuff that you want to do that you thought of on your own is it's going to be few and far between that you're going to find much of that stuff in the laboratory because they're always going to be showing people stuff we don't have a showroom. We have offices and we have a different business model, really. But when you have a showroom, we show we show blind bases. We show things that aren't very popular, but it makes no sense to show things that just really aren't done in general. Even if you had that laboratory, you'd be trying to show people as many things as possible that are done at least on some kind of regular basis. So once it's beyond that regular basis, it wouldn't make sense to display it. But um, well, you're you're bringing up something. I would take it into an academic. The only way it would work is to go into an academic environment instead of a practical environment. So because at any rate, I mean, it's I mean, a matter of you, teaching. So, so that gives you a lot to think about. And then you can, you know, if you yeah. want to rejigger it and you want to, you can still keep the things that it's always whether you're a customer or not or just a call in person. It's always the customer's decision. So whatever stuff you decide, I've, I've lectured you on the things that I think I would change. 
We, if you decide to keep those things or you decide to get frameless cabinets or you decide to keep the locations of things, that's fine. And we can just concentrate on other things. But you're certainly free to call in another time and as many times as you want. We have a woman, Olga, that calls in us, calls us in on a regular basis. Thank you. How do I find the home shop teacher you're talking about? If you go to our website, maybe, and you type in in the search bar, you type in shop teacher maybe, or you could type in cabinet construction and you should find that blog. Okay. If I can't find it, you know what? I'll look for it. I'll find email it. it to me. I'll, yeah. I'll email it to you later today. Thank you. Uh, okay. Paul, Good thank talk. you. You're, you're, I can, you're very valuable, very valuable to the marketplace. Thank you. Ah, well, you, you're welcome. And you take all my suggestions well, and you don't have to take them. I mean, it's it's your kitchen. It's not my kitchen. It's better for me to give you an unvarnished version of what I think and make you think about it long and hard. And then if it's that important to you, you won't give up. You'll still do it. But any compromises you make, we know in general will be compromises that in the long run, you'll probably be happier with. But the stuff that you don't compromise on will be important enough to you that you want to keep it and you're not going to sacrifice it. It's always about compromising. That's, you know, everybody. I learned from you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Good talking to you. All right. Bye. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Mainline Kitchen Design Podcast with nationally acclaimed kitchen designer, Paul McElary. This podcast was brought to you by Brighton Cabinetry, high quality custom cabinetry at competitive prices. For more on kitchen cabinets and kitchen design, go to www.mainlinekitchendesign.com.